That's good, that'll be the first thing on. I think what the, the encapsulating what uh, God dropped into my spirit this morning is I mean we talk about the fruit of the spirit is love and we go on about the fruit of the spirit and we like the idea of it you know don't we all oh, lovely the fruit of the spirit we've got to reel them off and know what they are but the fruit of the spirit is the power of God in your life have you ever thought of that because it's actually the character of God manifesting itself through you so the reason that God is so anxious to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you is because he wants to reproduce his nature in you. And you may have all sorts of goals, objects and ideas about how you want to spend your life, but the fact of it is his declared intention is to cause you to become like his son because he wants to bring many sons to glory. He doesn't want to bring many nepios to glory, he, which are babies without speech. He wants to bring many sons to glory. So the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is going to be to bring forth the character, the nature of God. And the reason that he wants to do that is that that is a place of peace. I'm sorry, I've heard this message this morning. I haven't heard them yet. I haven't heard them yet. You see, this is a revelation from God, and a revelation from God will come out the same way. I'm much cheaper than Joyce Mayer or any of the others of them, but never mind, you'll realise that when I'm gone now. Get the violins out. So the fruit of the Spirit is the power of God, the dunamis that uh, Paul speaks so much about in Ephesians 1. He, he nearly gets apoplectic with trying to explain what the dunamis power of God is about. It's the, what we get our word dynamite from. So this should drive us to want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because I tell you it's a place of peace to come to. And the way you come to it from the old nature, Eros here, into the land of milk and honey and into the agape, new nature, the powerful nature of God is through that shaking bridge of grace. You're going across a bridge there where there is a divine law of displacement in operation. The agape of God is displacing your old nature, but it only does it by your choices. So you get a radical statement like this man up here, this William Barclay. No matter what any man does to me, I will never seek to do harm to him. I will never set out for revenge. I will always seek nothing but his highest good. And I would say to anyone in this room this morning, if you're seeking revenge and you're calling it something else, you're in your eros big time. You're not taking the grace of God across to the agape land of milk and honey. Our flesh hates it. Hates it. Because we cannot have that pound of flesh that we are desiring to have. We are the unmerciful servant. We want to beat someone else because they have hurt us. And it's as simple as that. So he goes on to say, such love therefore is not simply emotion. It is not your feelings. It is not how you feel. 
If you wait for how you feel, you'll never go there. It is a deliberate conviction of the mind that this is the right way to go. That is called being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm working with a sweet one right now. And uh, every time she rings, she's got a problem that appears on the surface to be something domestic. And yet when I talk to her, she says, it's that serpent again, isn't it? I say, well, darling, yes. And I said to her last night, you are so sweet. You are so malleable. I have only to say it to her and she sees it. The problem is she's been a Christian for 20 years and she's never had any teaching. She's been in a church where it's been all rah-rah. I, I mean, that's fine. But as I said to you, we are in a new era. We are right into a new thing in God. And so all the rah-rah, we're moving on to something else. It doesn't set aside the grace, the love, the Father, heart of God. It does not set that aside. But those of us who have been there, it's time now to move into the new thing. And the people that will be there first are the prophetic, the worshippers and the intercessors because they're the ones that hear what God is saying. So if you are prophetic, you're an intercessor or a worshipper in this room this morning, you should be hearing what God is saying. And in your heart it will resonate. That we are moving into a new, not even season, an era. I've got to look up the word era, find out what it means. Such love is therefore not simply emotion, it's a deliberate conviction of the mind issuing in a deliberate policy of life. So as I say, with this particular person I'm working with, always when the phone call comes, everything in me starts going, and I just submit to God. As I said to you earlier, if you could have a word across there, which would encompass everything, it's either abandonment to him, or submission, depending on which word you can cope with best. Because some of us rebellious ones will find submission very hard. And we've actually got to recognise what is our stumbling block. I mean, it is us. It's always us. So we've got to recognise, is it my stubbornness? Will I not do it because I just won't do it? And if we are like that, we can just imagine ourselves with one foot standing on the other. Because we're preventing ourselves moving by the stupidity, if I may use the word, of our old fallen nature, with which Satan fully cooperates. Because the other thing is that while you're over here in the Eros nature, you're actually in agreement with Satan. You're covenanting with him. Once you choose and your pendulum hangs down there swinging between which choice you're going to make, and you come onto the bridge of grace, appropriating grace to make the right choice, you move into covenant with God. And in every situation you are faced with that, the divine law of displacement, have another thought, as Graham puts it. It came so clear to me this morning that the reason why God says, I have given you everything. And one of Graham's soaking CDs, he says, I have such an ocean of grace, more than you will ever need. 
I suddenly saw what grace is all about. It's the bridge that takes us across from the old to the new. And it's appropriated by that little word called faith. It isn't appropriated by feeling, because every time faith looked at feeling, they both fell off the wall, do you remember? All the while that faith kept his eyes on the facts, he was alright, but when he looked round at feeling, they both fell off the wall. Never, 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 never look at your feelings in any situation that you are in. Got nothing to do with it. I feel saved one day, I don't feel saved another. I feel sanctified one day and I'm very holy one day because I've managed not to have a biscuit or whatever. <laughs> it's got diddly Scott to do with it. What is happening is that one, you don't realise the battle that is on between you and Satan and God and the Holy Spirit and two, you're not making your choices. I cannot emphasise enough that every time you choose to go with your old nature that's why we say can I have a carnal moment Lord, well you can if you like but you won't enjoy it I do not enjoy carnal moments these days I really don't because once you start getting the hang of appropriating the grace of God in every situation asking for the wisdom of God in every situation and you find the peace of God in your heart you don't want to live any other way so for me the net result is that I get this person rings me I'm up here thinking and I just submit to God and ask for wisdom out comes his wisdom I end up being so gentle and finding them so malleable now if on the other hand I had let my old nature rule in that it would have been it's 10 to 10 it's the end of a long day is this really important that's how I would have responded to it because I can be as edgy as anyone else but I make the choices sometimes I don't succeed as Joyce would tell you sometimes I can be quite sharp and I realized when she came back that because I, a lot had gone on while Joyce was away and it was almost like I moved from one place to another while she wasn't here and so a load of stuff was downloaded to me and I'm trying to give it to her in you know but of course I'm leaving large chunks of information out <laughs> because I'm going to a critical path so she's saying well what about I'm thinking I've never mind about that bit but <laughs> I realized afterwards it's, uh, when it happened the fourth time I said Lord I'm do doing something wrong here and I came down and apologized I said look love I'm ever so sorry I said I've, I've, I've had like a quantum leap while you've been away um, and it didn't happen because I'm sitting there studiously studying. It happened because the Word of God that is in me is working in me and through me. And suddenly, revelation. You get a suddenly of God and the revelation drops in. And suddenly, everything this morning that Graham had been speaking about, peace, rest is a weapon. Mm -hmm. Of course it is. Because why? Because it's God. You in the rest and peace of God, that's a big enough weapon all the time against the enemy because it is the very nature of God and he's not going to come near that. So he wants us to come into that rest so that we will be in an is it inviable position, is that the right word that I want, in, where you cannot, be you cannot be got at? He wants you to be in a place where you are living in the secret place of the Most High. 
under the shadow of his wings, only coming out from your fortress when he tells you, only taking on the enemy when he tells you, when the enemy comes on the door, you don't answer unless God says, go and answer the door. Most often he'll say, I'll go. You don't have to come into anything. You live in a place of peace. So the whole thing is about appropriating the grace which Graham says on one of those um, soaking CDs you'll never use virtually the grace I have got for you there's so much grace available for you you'll never use it you dip it up by the spoonful he says have a bucket or seven because there is so much grace as soon as I come into a situation where it's difficult my first words are grace Lord and I'm not pay, praying for something that is ethereal. No grace. A little cloud of grace puffing past on a blue sky. <laughs> it's the power of God. It's the power of God to change me in that situation. Grace me, Father, in this. And the result, time after, I have proved this time after time after time if I will but ask for grace receive it by faith the conversation is a blessing to me and the person on the other end because people can be difficult but 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 I had one, had one a couple of days ago but, but I said goat's butt <laughs> Everything, every other word was but sheep go amen so this, in a nutshell, surrender. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Surrender to God. That's why the road that goes to the right, I'll say for argument's sake, uh, is a road where you're crawling on your belly. You've reached the place where you know you can do nothing. Because His power is made perfect in your weakness but first he's got to break your natural strength strength is something that is is not good we do not want strength strength is a problem natural strength is a real problem we I made a note of it this morning when I was somewhere here uh, weakness is a virtue strength is a liability so if you hear yourself saying, well, that's my strong point, wince, will you? Because we don't want strong points. Whatever your strong points are, put them on the altar. Because they will be a hindrance to you. I can do that. I'm all right. It's okay. Do you remember years ago, <laughs> Sue, that story? I don't know if you'll remember this one. You were going somewhere, driving somewhere in the car, and you couldn't find, you had a mini at the time, couldn't find your way. So you asked the Lord to show you. So you're going along nicely, and then suddenly you recognise where you were. You say, it's all right, Lord, I'm okay now. And got lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay now. I can do this. I can do this on my home now. Bye-bye. <laughs> These things stick in my mind. They're a lesson for me, you see. I, I try to be wise, and I pick up all other people's lessons and think, no, I don't want to go there. I shall find enough of my own. I don't want to do those things. And the fear of the Lord, you see, is another thing that we really, 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 really need. That's not, ah, ha, 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 what's he going to do to me next? It's an awareness of the awesomeness of this God that we serve. 
because if we don't have the fear of the Lord we can't have faith for the for the bridge of grace because we cannot we've not got a God that's big enough I was talking to David again about this Ebenezer business and this whole uh, business of bringing the Jews back into the land and he said and I say it from memory because it's in the other room that the philosophy of the Ebenezer people their bottom line is that when God sees what a big work we're doing he'll have to step in and help us it's dominion teaching under another name kingdom teaching we are going to bring in the kingdom and then when we've done it Jesus can come back this is what I mean about these false teachings that are around there's some time when I'm going to go through these that's just one of them is, and kingdom teaching is, is that one there was the shepherding movement where you had everybody had to be accountable and it ended up with some guy in control and frightened and bruised sheep at the bottom it's another thing where I'm really really seeking God because I can't see any scriptural basis for it whatsoever and that is who is your cover um as far as I'm aware it's the Lord himself because Psalm 91 tells me that he who dwells in the secret place not a Fred Bloggs who's my apostolic cover or Joe Soap who's my apostolic cover but the Most High El El Yon the possessor of heaven and earth that's where I want to be covered Elohim, the most powerful of all the powerful ones. I don't think we've done it, but maybe I've touched on it. Breaking down Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. The names of God in that, those, those first couple of verses. There are four or five names of God, and we just translate it Lord or God. See, the Most High is El Elyon that Melchizedek spoke of when he met Abraham. Elohim is the Creator God the most powerful of all the powerful ones Yahweh is the self-existent one I mean you just want to break it down English is such a language for not it's like it's like grace it doesn't it doesn't if we say oh we say grace thank you for our food there's grace I've, I've, I've found out why we say it's grazie it's thank you because coming into Christianity not knowing anything like, you know, what, not understanding the phrases. And when I found out it's just saying thank you, I thought, blow me, they make such a parcel of it. But then we say, let's say the grace. So you can get confused, can't you? If you're in an Anglican church, we'll say grace when we're having our dinner. There's something different here. We've got all these sayings that we say so glibly. What's your cover? Who are you accountable to? Um, you've got to come up with an answer you know when you're someone like me because otherwise you get told off so I sidestep the cover issue and I sidestep where I'm going to church and I sidestep it all and just sit quietly on the Lord's lap and wait for him to fight me battles for me because it's the only place to be let me tell you if you are in a battle right now the only place to be is on his lap because he can only vindicate you when you don't fight your own battles mm -hmm. If you step up to vindicate yourself, you've just nullified his ability to help you. So it's no defence, no attack, 
which is that. And it's something by which I have tried to live my life since I read it years ago. If you think about it a moment, no defence. When someone attacks you, you do not defend yourself. You allow the Lord to vindicate you. You do not justify yourself. While you're busy justifying yourself, he cannot vindicate you. And we're, we're ever so good at rationalising, justifying what we want to do. You know, we're good at these things. And no attack. So if you don't attack anyone, you're walking in peace with them. They may well get your goat, but that is not an excuse to attack them. You're walking in peace. No defence, no attack. So it comes into that, no matter what I mean. This is something that you might want to put as a goal to live up to. Because I looked at that this morning, I look at it pretty well every day, and I'm thinking, it's one of those little sayings that I've got near me. And I'm thinking, Father, that is something that we could put up and say, that is where I'm aiming. I will never set out for revenge. I will always seek nothing but his highest good. Because that will make you choose every time. Because you will be betrayed. Mm. You will be rejected. People who you trusted will let you down. This is why I cannot put my trust in princes. It tells me in here, don't put your trust in princes, which is men. And cursed is he who puts his trust in the arm of man. I don't want to be there. So if they can give me a good exposition from the Bible of what they're talking about when they talk about cover, uh, then I will have a look at it for myself. I won't swallow it or climb and sink it, but I'll have a look with an open mind. But I cannot see anywhere that Paul says, I'm your cover. Now look, you've got to do what I say. And every decision you want to make was a big one. You've got to come to me and find out if it's all right. When talking to someone recently who said, well, I haven't seen my apostolic oversight or cover yet, so I can't make that decision. And I'm thinking, excuse me, but it's God you're supposed to be listening to, not him. If he's telling you to move, you move. You don't wait for cherry blogs along the road to say so. You see the danger in it. God may be saying, right, well, move now. And they say, oh, well, wait a minute, I've got to get my oversight to agree with that first. Meanwhile, the lion's moved on. He'll flick you around the ear hole with his tail. Yeah. We really have got to start to examine why we do things, what we believe. Because we can be, you know, we are sheep and we do follow one another. But as um, A.W. Tozer is prone to say, do you want to do any of that? Ebenezer means hitherto as the Lord helped us. Isn't it lovely? Um, A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer. He says, we're so prone to join the parade that we don't even inquire where it's headed. So before you join any parade, find out where it's going. Church is very good at this. We have a new vision, we're going to do this. Are you up for it? They don't give you the chance to find out whether that vision is true, whether it's from God or it's another good idea that they've got. This is the nature of the change that is coming, beloved. 
the sheep are going to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves and they another they will not follow I remember your daughter um, got a lift from the vicar of one of the churches in your neck of the woods and she happened to start talking to him about Graham Cook saying about every sheep could hear the father's voice and she said he turned to me and said that will never do and the reason it won't do is because suddenly the sheep might be getting a mind of their own but when the sheep get together if they're really hearing from God it will resonate with their spirit what I'm saying will resonate with you if you hear it even if you couldn't have articulated it before now you'll be saying yeah that's right because yeah, we do have to check it out with one another to make sure we're hearing right. That's right. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I could go off and do what I wanted to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when Joyce said that, um, the, the the lady that was with us overnight the other day, apparently she asked Joyce where I got encouragement from, and Joyce's answer was absolutely classic. Well, she's like David; she encourages herself in the Lord. But well taught. We should, we should actually we build one another up but if we're looking for encouragement we're going to him see in the times that are coming we are going to have to learn to stand before God ourselves be encouraged because supposing we got separated <coughs> we've got to be able to be a unit before God hearing from him getting our nourishment from him you must be I must be teaching the sheep to, to, to fend for themselves and to get their own fodder otherwise I am failing in my duty the main duty of a prophet is actually to teach the sheep to hear from God that's why I constantly say to you have you prayed about it what's the Lord say and I can see your face it's like you've had a squeeze of lemon you know <laughs> I can understand that get fed up with the same, same, same thing but I must say it have you prayed about it what's he say Oh, well, I haven't prayed about it. Well, shall we pray about it? <laughs> All right then. Now you've got your listening ears on, yes? Okay, right. We'll just ask him what you've got to say about this, Lord. Then there's a silence on the other end of the phone. I'll give it a little while and I say, What's he said? Well, this, this, and this. Well, there you are then. No problem. You see, the, as, as Paul says, the time will come when I'm not here and then you will remember these things but hopefully you will learn to do them before I go because I can't wait to get home but he's promised me 10 years in which to finish the work and this is growing is my life's message that's what he told me the other day you're beginning to speak your life's message which is abandonment or submission which is written in invisible letters across the chimney breast <laughs> because it's the way to peace he wants you in peace somebody once said we have seen the enemy and he is us we are a far bigger enemy than to ourselves than any demonic force or anybody else look in the mirror and see your biggest enemy it's you because if it's me it's you if you see what I mean I know where my fight is and it's not with people it's with my old eros nature that seeks to possess acquire and control and it consumes itself 
and the more we feed it I will get it out we don't like it the no, more we no, feed it, do it. <laughs> the fatter it gets mm. and you end up <coughs> in an Eros prison the bars of which are thick those of you who haven't seen it <laughs> Eros prison And it is a prison because of all this on the side here. Because we've not got our wills lined up with God's will. Jesus said, I always do what the Father tells me. Didn't do anything else. Spelt abandonment. So you could title this message abandonment. But we come and go, don't we? Independence. Rejection, is it? No, what's that? Rebellion. Rebellion. Thank you. Can't read it. Upside down. Pride. Then we get despair because we ain't getting what we want. <coughs> That's why you're in despair, because your old man can't have what he wants. Just like a, a child with a rattle in the playpen, you know, wants something, banging his rattle on the playpen thing. Just exactly the same way, we're no different. What's this one? Thank you. And down we go again, up we go again. Self-will and resentment. You can just add to it yourself, can't you? The way of peace is to decide you're going to go and abandon yourself to the will of God and that means every area of your life it doesn't take me long to find out where people are because I can see what parts of them are not surrendered and I can point to it and say actually sweetheart that's the area where you're having difficulty well, I want my husband this and the next thing and what do you think you don't want my view sweet I get asked the most amazing questions and I'm thinking it's ever so good that I don't have to try to figure out any answers to them because it always comes down to have you prayed about it and what's the Lord saying? <laughs> a grace, which is that bridge there, we're actually doing patience, you know, this is what we're teaching on the fruit of. But the fact of it what is that the fruit of the Spirit are the nature is is the nature of God in us, brought forth in us. That is, that is why it's so imperative that we work to let the fruit grow. If my um, little pears were still here, but they all shrunk up, I won't tell you what Chris Larkin said they look like. I'm far too refined. <laughs> but she does call a spade a spade. <laughs> oh, she said they look like... I said, I wish you hadn't said that, I'm going to throw them away now. <laughs> And I'd said it was a visual aid, you know, that Joyce brought in this great fat pear, all grown on the same tree. Um, and these little shriveled up things. Well, you can have shriveled up pears if you like, girls, but I am going for a crop. The sort of crop that bends, remember, humility, that the crop is so heavy that it bends the tree to the ground. Um, and we have the power to do it. Because we have the power of choices. God's given us free will. That's one thing he will never override in us. I wish he would. I wish, he'd, I wish he would override it. The only way it's safe, as I've told you before, I said to him, you take it and keep it in there. And don't even show me it's there, because if you open it up, it might get out. I give you my right to choose. I did it years ago. It was a deliberate conviction of my mind following in a deliberate act of my will 
I gave him my right to choose. And in doing that, I gave him my rights to everything. So now I am not responsible for my life, he is, which is the place he wants me to be in. All the while we want to hold on to our right, or our rights, or what we see as right, we're over here, in the old nature, with an unsurrendered will. That thing has to be given over. It's a name for nothing, as I heard it described once by someone. And it is. It's only get into trouble. Because you make choices that are not good if you don't give it to him. So he has my will, and from then on, it's over to him. doesn't mean that I don't constantly have to choose in situations. But the major thing is, my life is, is, is over to him. Because after all, that's what my life before was over to Satan. I wasn't my own before. I was ruled by the God of this world, a child of disobedience, doing just what I liked, thinking I had freedom. What happens is, we come into the new nature and do not realise the transaction. I'm always doing it, aren't I? Could I have a tissue out of the box? robe of righteousness I'm covered over with a robe of righteousness we have imputed righteousness that's why we can come before God because we have Jesus righteousness you all know this so there it all is but underneath the blanket is all the old horrible stuff still so he then works it in by the spirit of God he fills me with his righteousness so that when anybody says anything it's the righteousness of God that comes out not all my old yuck that is process can't rush that can't have prayer ministry for it it's choices one of the big problems in the charismatic church and even the renewal movement is let's have an impartation and then it'll all be alright and they go away and they're just the same as they were before Oh, well, it was that the whole thing was, you know, need an impartation of grace, impartation of joy, impartation of healing, or whatever you you want to name it. You know, I've got, my fingers are ready for it, you know. I don't want to knock it, but there, there, is a, there is a case for it, but not going on and on and on and on where it's bearing no fruit. Because it's patently obvious nothing's been imparted, or if it has, there ain't enough room for it to work out. Because two things can't occupy the same space, so something's got to be emptied out. It's the law of displacement coming in. I can lay hands on someone, and I was told to the other day for an impartation to have a desire for the Word of God. Now I can impart that to her, and when it starts to flicker, she has got to breathe it into a flame. Because she's got to start making the choices that will actually make it act out in her life. Mm. You see, we are always shortcut merchants. Instant, instant, instant. I have an instant coffee. I don't want to wait for it to percolate. I don't happen to like percolated coffee. I like the instant. But we live in such an instant. I, I heard the other day of a 100-minute Bible. Someone, was it you that told me about it? It's about a quarter of an inch thick. They've just taken out what they consider relevant, I expect. As far as I'm concerned, the book of Revelation says, if anyone takes away won't finish it but we're in such a hurry God is not and we have in one of the Psalms he said you thought that I was altogether such an one as yourself 
In other words, you silly Billy. You thought I was like you. You thought I thought like you do. We may look at a situation and we say, well, righteous indignation. God would surely want to do something about that. You know, I can see the rights and wrongs of that situation and I'm going to wade in there and I'm going to do something about it. After all, Jesus made a scourge, didn't he? And whipped him in the dark. No, righteous indignation. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. Let's just ask the Lord <laughs> how he sees this. And he will say, I'm full of grace because I know that person. I, I know their inability to be any different. My mercy covers that. My grace covers that. Mm. We want justice. We want judgment, justice. We want, as I've heard someone say, mercy for ourselves and judgment for everybody else. It's true. I'm a parable of the unmerciful servant. Mm. We are forgiven so much. And I was listening to Me'eped uh, last night. And on that uh, fresh oil tape, uh, Gary Wines speaks of putting us in touch with our debt. Put me in touch with my debt. Yeah. And laying in bed last night, God put me in touch with my debt again. Just ask him, when you've got ten minutes today, Father, put me in touch with my debt. Being put in touch with your debt means knowing how much you've been forgiven. Mm. And that'll take away from you any desire for judgment on someone else. Mm. It really will. We have no idea how we offend him every day. And we call it righteous judgment. We call it doing the right thing. But we're actually in sin. Because we are actually bringing a judgment on our fellow man for whatever reason and thinking he deserves to be judged. Because we don't realise. Put us in touch with our debt, Father. You see, you may have lived a clean life. You might not have been like me. It wasn't difficult for me to be put in touch with my debt. I knew. I knew I was forgiven. I didn't even know what Christianity was. I knew I was forgiven. And I walked in that forgiveness. Guess what happens then? You've got to give it away. You can't be forgiven when you really know you're forgiven and not give it away. I don't find it difficult to forgive. People have done some terrible things to me, but I don't find it difficult to forgive. Why? Because I'm in touch with my debt. I've said on many occasions, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I've forgiven them. I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I would venture to say that someone who's in touch with their debt. And I don't want to forget. So when I hear something like that, maybe I'll play it for you in a minute. It reminds me of what I was and what he's done with that filthy, broken life that I lived. How can I turn to anybody else and say, you should know better? I can't. I can't. 
didn't say that to me he said you're forgiven put us in touch with our debt father otherwise we will be people who want judgment and not see the mercy of God whenever you are tempted to be impatient with someone else about the slowness of their growth have a look how long it took you to move your feet on any particular issue and the mercy and the grace and the kindness and the love of God will begin to flow through you it doesn't mean you are ignoring the sin because he is a holy and a righteous God so you can't ignore that but you look upon it in the way he looks upon it and you bring them to the place of change of mind repentance confession getting cleaned up back on the path but you do not condemn them if something radical doesn't happen to the church uh, I don't know where I was re reading it just this morning and this was the last century early in the last century that the church was crumbling it was just something that, I know what it was it was um, President Kennedy's the shooting of President Kennedy it was William Barclay and he said um, that he'd just had the news of this and, and he'd bought the newspaper and uh, just for once there was no, no religious column in the newspaper because the whole place was full of President Kennedy's and he said I think that about describes uh, how they value our input in society because we are just so completely unable to comment properly on anything and now what we do say is not worth printing you see what I'm saying is that we have lost the power of God we've lost the mercy of God the grace of God in being so eros so greedy for getting our own needs met the church has been very greedy everything that God has poured out she's stuffed herself with I saw a picture you know once I was fiddling around the bottom of the bride's dress with the beads and it was beautiful it was it lifted up in the front and there were all these droplet pearls and I was down the bottom here fiddling about with the pearls and I looked up and I said I could see her now I said oh god she's ugly she got her arms crossed like this and they were like fishwives arms you know huge her face was all bloated and fat she was smiling and the front tooth here was blacked out because it was missing she got blackheads mm. matted hair she was ugly and I went oh she's ugly oh sorry lord it's your brat but the fact is she's fed herself she's just fed herself because of the old eros and when as, as uh, Bob Mumford says the, the supply dries up we suddenly start to rape God to try to pull something out of him and we go from receiving to demanding and that is a dangerous position to be in we get into presumption we want what we had before we want the feelings we want all of that stuff I mean we covered this in the uh, at the weekend that weekend we had that we start to rape God we get a demandingness about it and instead of being receivers and keeping our right position before God we are the beloved of God we are seated with him in heavenly places it's all true 
but we're not an arrogant, presumptuous bride that stamps her foot when she doesn't get what she wants. We need to have the nature of God moving within us. And that's what I got a download of this morning. That it is the powerful nature of God that is moving through us that will change things out there. It will change things in the body. Because there won't be rivalry. Everyone will be doing what it says, submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. We forget these little things. Little bits that we don't like, you know, submit to God out of reverence. Most Christians don't actually know the Bible at all. They don't read it. They don't study it. They've got 24 hours in a day, same as I have. But you wouldn't go without your food. You wouldn't go without your bath and titivating. You wouldn't go without those things. We pay a lot of attention as ladies to our looks. Wax me legs, do me this, do me that. But the time with the Lord and the Word of God gets pushed to one side. But that is the bit that's important. If you go without your Word, if you go without it sooner or later, you'll be starved. And you won't know what the mind of Christ is in any given situation. You won't know. Because you haven't got enough of the word in you to know. Because as you've got the word in you, you can defer to the Holy Spirit and ask him how he sees, what's his perspective on this. I hate it. He's always gracious. He's lovely. He's kind. He's merciful and I'm thinking, kill him. You know? Because that goes completely against my old nature. But something's got to give. Something has got to give in the church so that we begin to break open and spill out the nature of God on the people around us and on each other. It's, a, it's radical. This is why I am looking for a discipleship group. I reckon they'll be made of cardboard. <laughs> Some of the stiff stuff I'd give them. But I have a desire in my heart to leave a deposit when I go. And I'm not a deposit of me. It's a deposit of him into them. Paul says, death is at work in me, but life is at work in you. And this is how it actually should be. That death is at work in me, life is at work in you. Because I die daily. So God's grace is a demonstration of his power to enable us to live in joyful victory, even as we face all the pressures of life. But if you don't avail yourself of the grace, if you don't actually get to know the Holy Spirit, as I keep banging on about, as your comforter, your personal trainer, if you don't know him, then you're going to find it hard to appropriate the grace of God. And you're going to start struggling and wanting to know what faith really is. I had a tape when I was, excuse me, early on. What's a faith? It's called What's a Faith? And it was about the whole fact that um, when this man travelled, he was a travelling speaker, every time he went away he'd bring something back in the suitcases for his children. Uh, and when they were, you know, between the ages of about five and eight, it was they'd meet him at the uh, airport. What's in the suitcases, the suitcases. And he'd either get out of the lounge before the suitcases, the suitcase, got to be open, got to be open, find out what's in it for the children, what's in it for me. He said, and then as they got older, and they got to perhaps the ages between 13 and 18 and they'd come and meet him they weren't interested in the suitcases they were interested in how he was mm. 
they grew from gimme, 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 gimme as children to being interested in the Father himself. And he said, what's a faith? I mean, what's your definition of faith? Oh, well, you know, if you've got enough of it and you hang on and you say, I'm believing, I'm, belie I'm believing, I've got, I'm believing the promises of God, I'm believing you can believe till you're blue, you're, and it doesn't happen, and then you get disappointed. I'll tell you what faith is, it's knowing a person. You cannot have faith unless you know him. And the more you know him, the more faith you have, because you know him. You know his character. He says something, he means it. He, you pray about something, he gives you a promise. It's going to happen. No matter what the circumstance, if the promise is there, the promise is there to be held up to the circumstance, not the other way around. We bandy these words about, you see, faith, grace. We bandy them about. Fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, humility, whatever, meekness, I don't know, can't run them off. But we do, don't we? But it doesn't grow on us. All we've got is, um, put your hand over the microphone, as... Uh, Chris Larkin said they look like testicles. I said, oh, Chris. <laughs> I said, such a long time since I have been acquainted with such things. I said, I'm going to throw them away. Gee, <laughs> so funny. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. God doesn't want you to try to survive in your own strength or through your own grit and determination. He wants you to reach into his limitless supply of grace and find resources to lift you above everything that is seeking to trip you up and drag you down. Beloved, we have got to learn to live in a different place. Otherwise, every circumstance that we come up against, we will fall flat on our faces and uh, we'll just stay over here in Eros, displaying that all the time. Patience. I'll just give you a definition of patience, which I think I've, I've not got around to doing anything that I've got really here this morning. The meaning of patience in Greek has no true equivalent in English. Isn't that not so often the case? We've got a multitude <coughs> of words, but nothing that actually says it. It's not, oh, well, I'll just uh, wait on him and just wait and, you know. Patience is the powerful capacity of selfless love to suffer long under adversity. It is a noble ability to bear with either difficult people or adverse circumstances without breaking down. This implies tolerance of the intolerable. It is a generous willingness to try to understand the awkward people and disturbing events that our Father allows to enter our lives. It enables us to remain steadfast under strain, not just standing still, but pressing on. Patience is the most potent perseverance that produces positive results, all the pers, even under opposition and suffering. And your model for that is Jesus. 
It's a quality, a characteristic of God himself, as are all the fruit. So it's not going to be weak, negative or powerless. But it is going to be holy and just and merciful because that's what God is. If it was not for his mercy, I wouldn't sit here. Because his judgment would have crisped me years ago before I even became a Christian. If someone was calling down judgment on the way that I was behaving, I'd, I wouldn't have, t wouldn't have been here. But the mercy of God, the kindness of God, and it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, you know. It leads us to be able to make the choice to bring the divine law of displacement into operation. It's no good when you have a rude thought, a nasty thought, a spiteful thought, a critical thought, thinking, I'm not going to think that thought, because what happens is you can't stop thinking that thought. It's displacement. You have another thought. You have a kind thought a generous thought you look for the best in the person you remember how they were kind to you good to you provided for you supported you whatever your situation happens to be when your mind is seething with judgment and wanting your pound of flesh or whatever it happens to be the divine law of displacement needs to come in. That's why Jesus said when he delivered, the, spoke about the demons being cast out of someone and, and they wander about and they come back and they say, oh, is my home swept and garnished? And they go back in. And one of the things with this ministry here is you will find if you have deliverance, I will stuff something better in its place. Because it's no good leaving a vacuum because Satan will come back and fill it. That's why teaching is so high on the agenda and why so often ministry fails. You stand in the ministry line, you get ministered to, you get delivered, you get this done, that done and the other done, but there is nothing put in the place to fill it. So you've got a hole. And very soon you're either back where you were or worse. And you think, well, it's the fight, blooming ministry, no good and you blame the ministry uh, this is not me I'm quoting this is the Sanfords this is something they discovered that unless they taught along with doing everything else the people were just as in six months time just back in the same place so what you get people continuously going for ministry they never come out of that loop oh it's, oh, it's this now now it's this now it's that no it isn't what it is is that they're just finding something else because nothing has displaced what was there before. So we have to put teaching in, as unpalatable as it is, and you know, some of you are spitting your syrup of figs out this morning, but it's alright, it'll do you good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that you know the um, what the Hebrew women used to do, called chanakin. When they wanted to bring the child off the breast they'd start running a date round the baby's mouth. And first of all, they'd go, yeah, dull up. Haste of that at all. So they just keep rubbing this date round their mouths. And eventually it'd be, hmm, not so bad, not so bad. And they'd start taking a bit of date instead of the breast. So what I'm doing with you this morning, I'm chanacking you. And first of all, you'll go, don't like that. Don't like the taste of that. That's too strong. And then in a couple of weeks' time, you'll think, oh, I don't know, that. 
Give us a bit more. Let's have a little taste. Have a chew on a bit of that. And so you'll grow. Okay. Well, we should have been talking about patience. <coughs> so I've given you a definition of patience. <laughs> we'll look at patience next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening.